What's up, bros? Siege here. Just giving you guys a little heads up before the episode. This was recorded before the new wave of resistance and protests, but we still want to make sure that our voices are heard and that it is known that we support and we encourage our listeners. Follow the Black Lives Matter movement. Visit blacklivesmatter.com to learn how to donate, sign petitions, and protest safely. You can also check out Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, Know Your Rights Camp, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Communities United Against Police Brutality, and the ACLU to learn more about the cause. Defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and enjoy the episode. When the What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brown Meets World. But it's Brown Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. This is episode 79. I'm Siege. And I am TC. Hey, TC. What it do? Not much. What it do with you, bruh? Um, things are... Things are moving, you know, ups and downs. <laughs> every day is like the next. I saw someone mention that they were going to start playing I Got You, Babe, every morning just to, like, really set the mood for how these times have been going. I I, I still can't believe you don't like Groundhog Day. Even now, with everything we're going through, this movie is so relatable, and I just wish you would watch it with fresh eyes, bruh. I will try to watch with fresh eyes, but I remember one of my biggest things about this movie is it's really about nagging and working a woman down to get her to say yes. Like, if there was any other kind of mission, then maybe I could be into it. But the idea that you just go day after day and the whole goal is to get this woman to go home with you at the end of the day, um, I don't know if I can support that. (laughs) It again, it has flaws, but there's still lots to learn. Okay, uh, mate, you're right. Maybe I can handle this a little bit differently this whole quarantine time if I if I use it as like a text. Hmm. Just saying, just saying. Also, while we're talking about things that are hard for you to watch, <laughs> I found this episode very awkward. Oh, absolutely. Watch uncomfortable did not like it the episode itself was clunky and they didn't really and then also i felt like there were lots of things we could do that would solve this problem so to speak i don't know it really it kind of felt like a crossover episode of roseanne (laughs) with boy meets world but without any of the real social commentary that both shows are known for i I disagree. I feel like this episode really tried to tell a real, to tackle a real issue social class. We've been seeing all season long, social class is one of the most prevalent issues that keeps reappearing. It's it's one of the themes of the season almost, it seems. And so... It, it seemed like this was a, something they were kind of building to maybe in a bunch of different ways, you know, with Alan being established as a small business owner and Chet being established as the janitor. Like, we know that they come from different worlds because we've seen those worlds established and built out. And I feel like this was an interesting co- collision of, of people that should get along but don't and the reasons why they don't. 
Well, I'd say we go right into it so we can uh, discuss this a little bit further. I, I don't have a tell me about it. I feel so unprepared. I, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Tell us about it. Tell us all about the show. Corey and Shaw want to eat, but the parents don't want to see because they pour and shit and they don't like it. You could have just said no. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to say... Tell us about it. No, no, no. It's fine. I love it. Okay. Uh, This is season four, episode 10, Turkey Day. (laughs) Corey and Sean are given an assignment over the Thanksgiving weekend about class differences that are at the heart of conflict in Rwanda and are quick to assume that the same divisions between the haves and the have-nots do not exist in Philadelphia. But they learn better when their respective families do not show full enthusiasm in spending their Thanksgiving together. Meanwhile, Frankie's younger brother, Herman, hears that the aristocratic Matthews are coming to the trailer park and decides to try to sweetheart Corey's sister, Morgan. It's so interesting that they seem to come from such different social classes Yet, Sean and Corey have been able to walk back and forth to each other's houses like it's nothing. They all live in the same school district, clearly. Uh, Frankie's brother is in class with Morgan. They have so many interactions with each other, but they seem worlds apart. It's really the adults who are like, can't sit here. You know, like, we don't take kindly to your kind type situation. And And it's so funny because I don't think that the Matthews had an issue Oh, well, I mean, yes, they did have issues, but part of this was Verna was acting fucking nuts this episode, right? Yeah, I was going to say, that's another really big part of it, is that a lot of the onus comes from the the lower class feeling intimidated, you know, or insecure about their position, which I'm sure is a thing, but, like, the idea that it's almost all on them, and Amy and Alan just like by doing the bare minimum of things that they would normally do or offending these people. I didn't like, I didn't like it all. Why didn't the Matthews host Thanksgiving at their house? They host Christmas parties every year. Thank you. That's what I was going to say. I was like a very easy, quick solution to this whole thing would have been for the Matthews to be like, you know what? We can host. We have the space. You know, it's we like- host a dinner with Sean every night anyway for two extra people to show up is nothing. It would have been nothing at all. And don't get me wrong. That would have like negated the episode or maybe it wouldn't have. I don't think I like I think even the idea of, you know, uh, the Matthews showing up to the trailer park and not being welcomed. I was like, why wouldn't you just go back to the Matthews instead of like rushing them out? There's just, it makes no sense. They're clearly not that far away. And this could have been done um, without being this awkward. Also, there's this, there's <laughs> a portion of the episode where the trailer park homeowners association demands that the hunters kick out the rich kid, people from the trailer park who what, what's happening here who are these neighbors what is this homeowner association how are they judging that a person's class makes them enable of entering the trailer park Corey c- comes here all the time 
it just feels weird. It felt like a weird episode twist to have like the homeowners of the trailer park be like, hey, rich people can't come here. It just it was awkward. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the homeowners, let's just go and do our roll call really quick. Roll call. Which is to say that we have Ned Bellamy as Luther. Um, we have K.E. Cooter, Cutter, I don't know how to say that, uh, as Herbert, and Christian Mioli as Carl. Um, and those are just a couple of the individuals who are in the trailer park. I believe it's Luther Hunter. <laughs> yes, because there is – okay, so there are some things that lead me to think that the bias isn't just with – you know, the hunters feeling insecure. Some of it is with the Matthews themselves. Like when they get to Sean's house, this kid that they basically raised, right? They know him. They, he's, he just took a, a t- t- uh, I'm sorry, a bath in Alan's tub like two episodes ago. They show up to this kid's house and they're like, oh, make sure that the purse is out of the car. Make sure that the car door is locked. Everyone, like, look at this. It says the Unters. Clearly, it had an H on it and it just fell off because you know how poor people treat their property. They don't take care of it. Ha ha. Like, all of it felt like a side of the Matthews that I had never seen before. I agree. But I'm going to defend the Unters thing. I'm sorry. If you're looking for the Hunters in a specific area and it turns out that their neighbors are the hunters, you are not um, being classes to assume that an H is missing. You know what I mean? Like, that's – especially since they're next-door neighbors. I don't know. Maybe more so the whole car thing took me off guard than the hunters thing because you're right. That's an easy mistake. But it, it just – it did – it seemed interesting that they saw a divide because they considered themselves, like, constantly on the brink of – making their bills you know what i mean like that's what we've always seen from them is that they're hustling to get their bills paid so you would think that they would feel okay being at chet and verna's you know what i mean like they had this small apartment we learned when they first started and you know later on in the seat in the series alan takes Corey to see where he grew up and it was a small apartment in the city and so it just feels like that there shouldn't be this divide there. Like, Alan should be able to go over and have a beer with Chet, and it shouldn't be awkward. That's what I was going to say. It's really interesting to me because Alan, we know that his mom is like a vagabond and just constantly on the move and never really there. Um, We know that he was in the military and that he got this job as a, uh, like, in a grocery store. So I was like, Alan's never exactly been Mr. Middle America. It's not like his entire life he, you know, came from doctors and lawyers and business owners he just got here and the idea that he would be so uncomfortable and so unable to interact with people who i'm sure he sees and interacts with on a daily basis um, if not employees um, was very off-putting and i felt like at the very least, like, talk about your kids. Like, your sons are best friends. You have to have stories that you can share. You know, Sean, Chet, and Vernon were gone for, like, a year. Like, tell them some of the shenanigans that Sean got into. Like, bullshit nothing conversation. When it was just the four of them in the trailer by themselves, it was so uncomfortable. And maybe that was the point. Like, I'm sure it was. But like I said, it just isn't in line with how we've seen these people portrayed and the rest of the episodes. Yeah, agreed. Um, and especially this idea of 
Verna being someone who is just so insecure about um, the house and home that she has. Don't get me wrong. I understand that mindset of like, oh, wait, you brought China. All I have is plastic. But it seems like everything that Amy and Alan would do upset her or made her feel insecure. And the idea, to me, that kind of puts all of the onus and awkwardness on Verna and Chet and none on Alan and Amy other than, oh, I was trying to be nice and brought this bottle of wine, and it turns out that I was being too fancy. For the record, mixing both bottles of wine into a giant bowl with oranges and bananas sounds disgusting. Oh, right? it does sound disgusting. Your trash wine. I mean, that's that's kind of like the joke. The joke bananas, is this woman. Bananas. The joke is this woman doesn't understand the value of that bottle of wine. But how hard is it to suck it up and be like, you know what? I'll try it. Why is there so much wine anyway? There's there's nothing but kids here. <laughs> That's a very good point. There are only four people who can drink uh, at that entire place. What did you think about the correlation between African apartheid and uh, the Hunters and the Matthews? I don't mind it because the idea that it helped Corey and Sean, who were very much like, there's no way that that kind of divide exists here in Philadelphia. Understand all of these things aren't in third world. You know, they're not just problems in Africa or overseas. We have the exact same issues in our own backyard, literally. I like that. I thought it was really interesting how they worked in the food bank story at the beginning. Um, apparently, Corey and Sean win a prize uh because they collect the most cans for the food bank, which inevitably gets sent back to Sean's house because he's the only recipient poor enough to get the cans in his class, is what I'm assuming. Just the fact that those cans cycle through his house and the school back and forth, back and forth, I just thought was really interesting uh, observation of class. But we know he's not the only one in his class that because Frankie is in not only in his class, but has been shown to be like known throughout school. So... I think it's just it says something that Sean has embraced it as part of his identity. And I think other people don't see it as much of a defining quality as Sean seems to. Sure, sure. Because, yeah, that doesn't seem like a hang up that Frankie has. No, in fact, uh, at the end, it's it's Frankie and his brother who kind of come together. And there's like there's always room at our table. And I think that that's interesting considering the fact that we don't see their parents anywhere. So you have like these two children kind of on their own who understand that the real purpose of this holiday is togetherness and appreciation and family. And you know what? Because we fleshed out Frankie's character, we know that his dad's a professional wrestler that's probably on tour a bunch of times. Like, that makes perfect sense for why he and Herman are the perfect ones to, like, usher in this new way of thinking about uh, Thanksgiving. And, you know, what's going on between the parents doesn't have to go on between the kids. And I, I just thought that Boy Meets World did a really good job of preparing us for this episode through these stories that we've seen established throughout the season. Sean, I'm really sorry about this whole thing. I mean, my parents have just been acting like jerks. Yeah, well, my parents didn't exactly go out of their way to make them feel welcome. I guess this whole thing was just a mistake. You know, why can't they just hang out together? Adults are not narrow-minded by nature. They can, however, be set in their ways. I am but a callow youth, yet it seems to me a shame they should be set in the way of disliking each other. They come from different worlds. Think of them as the Hutus and Tutsis, living with prejudice and hatred passed on from parent to child because it is what they've grown accustomed to. 
You know, are we the only two people on this whole planet who don't know who the Hutus and Tutsis are? <laughs> yeah, it felt very much like the children are our future type situation. Yeah. Um, and it also seemed like I, I was with you where I was surprised at Herman's relevance. I like Herman has made way more guest appearances than I expected, considering how we kind of just run through side characters. But I thought they used him well in this episode. Okay, so quick question. This the circumstances of this episode uh, are Sean and Corey are deciding to have Thanksgiving together because they win turkey and stuffing from the canned food drive um, that we talk about in the Phoenix class up this scene. Um, why didn't they just do a Friendsgiving? <laughs> uh, I don't know if Friendsgiving was as big of a thing back then. Um, I think it was just kind of it's something that's kind of risen in popularity since the the show Friends. Um, so I just don't know. That's like one of my excuses. And another is that again, this for the same reasons why they didn't host it at the Matthews. It's just short sighted and for the script. Okay, so this does bring me to the question I really want to get to, which is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? God, if we're going to talk about it, I'm going to say I have to have my turkey. I like my turkey and gravy and macaroni and cheese. Did you know white people don't have macaroni and cheese at Thanksgiving? Yes, I did know this because whenever I started going to other people's houses for Thanksgiving, I would like be like, oh, who's making macaroni and cheese? Or I would bring it and people would be like, oh, we never did that before. I was like, What? That makes no sense to me, but I guess it That's it because does. a lot of white people make their macaroni and cheese. Like, it's the worst. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> they would never want to include it in the holiday surrounding food. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's one of the holidays I believe people of color do right, so. Yeah, I was I was also going to say macaroni and cheese or stuffing is a, is another one that I'm really into. But uh, yeah, mac and cheese is, is my winner as well. And I just, uh, yeah, let's cherish it, Brad, because that is a unique... <laughs> thing for us what do you think about this idea that the trailer homeowners association they're the ones who are unwelcoming you know um again i feel like it's a lot of the lower class who reject you're um, bringing up a great point because i felt like imagine that the hunters went over to the Matthews, but they actually brought their trailer and like parked it on their lawn or something like that to where the homeowners association would come and say, Hey, you have to have these people get out of here. Sure. You're thinking like a national lampoons. That makes more sense than people like people in the trailer. Like, I don't know. It seems in my own personal experience that when you get to a certain class, everyone just becomes more accepting of people rather than, rejecting yeah well that's what i was saying it seems like even the show is even though the show is trying to say that we should overcome class differences and anyone can be friends and acceptance and all this other stuff they also are making the argument that those who are lower class are the ones who are more prejudiced that's the argument they're making i mean we spend so much time with chet and his neighbors saying that people like they don't want their kind here or the neighbor who assumes that he's being judged by the Matthews early on. You know, there seems to be a lot of hostility and assumption right off the bat, even though the Matthews have done nothing but be present. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think that was the best use of that storyline. Like I think would have been, 
what would have been better is if maybe Verna and Chet started fighting and they decided, you know what, we're just not going to do this anymore. We don't want to host Thanksgiving anymore. Like, that would have been more believable than, like, a mob of angry trailer owners coming to, you know, kick out the rich people. Yeah, and I think, like, even if they didn't want to not host it anymore, I feel like the idea that this is the first Thanksgiving of Chet and Verna and Sean's together since you know, all of the drama went down. I feel like that's a really big storyline. I feel like that's something that we could talk about. I feel like also another great thing would have been if Thanksgiving, like if they were they threw it, but it was just like a disaster. Like things just kept falling apart. And like there was there could have been a lot of the humor in that of just like these dishes that Verna made that just didn't turn out right. And there's being a goat in the trailer park, maybe he makes an appearance. I don't know. Like the more fun episode yeah i feel like something like a christmas story or a national lampoons family vacation or a christmas holiday or whatever it's called some something that really cranked up the humor and this idea of um trying to get everything together but it all you know come crashing down i think that would have been a really nice thing to see instead of this class divide that really does seem to be brought on by adults and also really does seem to be brought on by the lower class not wanting the middle class in their presence. One of the things I thought was really interesting was that the guy who lives in the Unters trailer, yeah, somehow through conversation, Morgan says that they live in Cedar Heights and he goes, oh, Cedar Heights, la-di-da. Which is so interesting that the Matthews have always presented themselves as these people who are like barely hanging on to their middle class lifestyle. But uh, evidently, they live in a neighborhood that is so prestigious that this guy is like, oh, look at these hoity toities bragging about where they live. Just the perception of class from these different communities is really interesting. Uh, yeah, I actually looked it up and I looked at like a couple of the houses on Zillow in that area in Philadelphia. And yeah, it does look like a really nice. A neighborhood to live in but i don't know if i don't know of anyone who would be automatically dismissive of someone just because they're from there i don't know maybe maybe we are a little bit older and we're a little bit distant from the 90s and how they dealt with class but it just seemed very premature everyone's reactions Something else that was really interesting was that Eric had like a bunch of shady blows where he was just like, yeah, I could be in my house right now that has a plumbing inside, like all these like jabs at lower class and the trailer park, like these jokes that we've been talking about in Boy Meets World where we can't tell who they're rooting for. And sometimes more often than not, it feels like they're kicking down more than they're lifting up. Absolutely. I mean, also, like, let's not get it twisted, Eric. You are a graduate who isn't in college and also staying with his parents. So you're not really in a position to critique other people and other families who are standing on their own two feet. You know what I mean? And yeah, Alan, maybe you are using the fork a little too damn hard, okay? We've all had to use those little shitty plastic white forks at cookouts and we've gotten used to them yeah i mean i think alan and amy are made to seem very apologetic for their things and i don't think these like they're making mountains out of molehills how hard is it to be like oh i broke my fork can i have another something else that i thought was a really interesting thing that i noted was when the trailer home association is you know getting all fired up chet goes to the guy who's 
you know, pissing everyone off. And he's like, hey, let's be real. Don't you think you're just like throwing out a bunch of hot button issues just to get people riled up for the sake of riling them up? Like, don't you think there's a real like civil way of handling this? Um, Which I just thought was so interesting because of the times that we're in that like Boy Meets World was able to say like, hey, you can tell the difference between people who are actually concerned about something serious and people who are just trying to instigate a mob for the sake of it. And I just thought that was uh, an interesting note. That is a very interesting note, especially when you consider the fact that Corey says, I think Corey says to Sean, uh, something along the lines of our ignorance is working for us. You know, it's like, we're, we're not even playing into this whole thing that we need to not be friends because we don't know that we don't have to be friends. And it's, it's not as, it's clearly not as big of a deal uh, as these individuals are making it out to be. Um, because we're not following some kind of social norm. So did you like this episode? No. I felt like it was put together incorrectly, and I feel like we could have done something else with the storyline. I like certain parts, like the idea that Corey says, And I guess I'm thankful that my parents taught me to like people for who they are, even if they weren't lucky enough to be raised that way themselves. I like little moments like that. I like Frankie and Herman being welcoming and talking about what they're thankful for. Are you guys sure this is okay? There's always room for more at our table. It is our Thanksgiving custom to go around the table and let each person say what they're thankful for. Then we eat? Then we eat. I'm thankful for that. Next. (laughs) More? Okay. Um, I'm also thankful to be having... Thanksgiving dinner with my brother and my sister and all my friends. And that I'm taping the game. <laughs> Next. I'm thankful for these guests and that we've been blessed with enough food to share with them. Um, and I like the ideas that the parents kind of looked at themselves and were like, what are we doing if these kids seem to understand? And Chet standing up to the Homeowners Association. All of those little moments, like that little scene at the end, I think is the best done part, as well as the epilogue with Sean and his paper. But outside of that, yeah. I feel like it's just sloppy. I, I I agree. I have to say that, you know, I own the DVDs of Boy Meets World even before they were available for streaming. Humble brag. <laughs> um but even then, this was one of the episodes that I would skip over a lot. Like, it's just not a fun episode. Like, I I commend it for what it's trying to do. I commend it for including African apartheid within the lesson plan at all. Um, you know, there's we we always want them to push for more. You know, social uh, issues in their episodes and their storytelling. And so I'm not mad at them for tackling this. But like you said, this just wasn't a great way to do it. Um, from a viewer's perspective, I just found myself like I, I think I walked away from the episode three different times from just awkwardness. So um, yeah, I'm 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 feeling you on this. Yeah, and I completely, I think what you said is really good. I think considering what we've watched for the first half of this season and how they do this episode, I feel like it just could have been done better. I do like that they brought up the idea of class issues and how a lot of people, I guess, especially at that time, probably saw it as a problem in other parts of the world and they were able to make it relevant for America. But um, 
again, it kind of leans heavily on being the lower income, an issue for lower income people. Uh, they're literally, say, outsiders who look down upon us, you know? Like, that's how yeah. they consider the Matthews, so. Sure, sure, sure. Anything else you want to say? Uh, not really. I mean, the episode is, is it's an, oh, a single story episode. So, you know, I think that those are sometimes the more successful women's world episodes, but in this case, I don't believe it was as successful. I agree. What grade are you giving this? I'm giving this episode a B. Was it entertaining for me? Not really, but... I appreciate what they're trying to do compared to some of the other bullshit episodes we've gotten about like Eric stealing a car that breaks down or, you know, Corey, you know, trying to make over an ugly girl for a dance. Like I would much prefer episodes be like this than that. Okay. And I'm going to give it a C just because I feel like it's an average episode. It has highs, it has lows. Some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. Um, I don't hate it altogether, but I would not rewatch it again without purpose. So, fair, fair. Um, did you have a bra moment? Not really. There was nothing that really kind of took me out of this episode or where I was I just, just surprised. There was one part where Vernon was just like, I want to, like, they're a better class of people. I just really didn't like how Verna kept legitimately thinking that the Matthews were better than her. Yeah. But that was never proven wrong. You know what I mean? Like, Amy even says some shitty sh- thing about, like, oh, you know, we didn't have a bunch of matching silverware when we first started. Yeah. It just, like, it just seemed kind of shitty. Like, I just. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I can't, like, that, thank you. Amy does say, she's like, oh, yeah, when we first started, I was like, you are in these people's house. They have a kid. You know this isn't their starter home. This isn't, like, a newlywed couple. These are people who have been together for years, and you're aware of that. There are certain things that just did not need to be said. And, again, Amy's never really brought to task for saying those things and Werner's never really made to feel secure in where she's at. And it just felt like the Amy and Alan from just their love and respect that they have for Sean would have tried a little harder. Yes. Like I get it, like Morgan and Eric not wanting to be there, Eric wanting to go watch TV, like that makes sense. But just for the fact that like they've seen Sean go from house to house and he finally has a home with both parents in it who are trying to make a family work, like it just seems like something they would want to support and encourage. I would imagine that Amy would be the type of person that has been calling Verna and talking to her and checking up on her. Like that seems more like the Amy I know, not this person who is judging her for her silverware. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. Anything you taught me? Sean's speech. I thought that that was pretty much the best takeaway from this episode. Yeah. And it's interesting because Sean gets a better grade um, okay, so Sean writes about his experience that he has over Thanksgiving, and I believe Corey probably wrote about the same thing, right? Yeah. However, Sean gets a better grade than Corey, and it's interesting because they both went through the same experience, yet because Sean is from a different class of people and has a different worldview, he was able to take out such a deeper understanding from it than Corey was, 
and I just thought that that was an interesting thing that got highlighted at the end there, where he said, "Look, I'm, I'm I did better than you. I, I'm better." Than you. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that, like, you know, you're not better than me because you have privilege. Like, my experience made me better than you. Is that what you took? Because I, from what I took from that, just the way it's kind of played for laugh, was that uh, this idea that all someone needs is a little bit more. And all of a sudden, they are willing to look down on someone else. Like, that's how I interpreted that scene of him just being like, oh, I got a good grade. All of a sudden, I'm better than you now. No, I, that, I, the whole episode was about Verna feeling like the Matthews were better than her and that they were better people. And then at the end, Sean has this amazing, pers- like, you know, uh, deep uh understanding of his experience and he's able to illustrate that in words that are just really beautiful and moving and he gets the better grade even though Corey wrote about the exact same thing and he was like look bro i'm fucking better than you not because you're rich but because of the way that i've been able to use my experience to create art yeah no i agree with you i just i interpreted it as him as a, a commentary of once you give people a little bit of power, they're quick to turn. That was how I interpreted that. Um, but I like yours. Yours is at least more giving. <laughs> and, and again, maybe that's why we walked away with different uh, feelings of the episode, different grades. Who knows? Absolutely. Uh, homework. Yes. So I am currently still in quarantine. It is April 21st as of this recording. don't know when we're releasing but um, there have been some IG live battles between Teddy <laughs> Riley and Babyface um, recently. And my homework assignment is for everyone to go to Spotify, go to Apple Music, go to Title if you're one of those assholes, and uh, listen to some Babyface because, guys, every hit song in the 90s was written by Babyface. I am being more confirmed by this on a day-to-day basis. The IG Live battles between him and Teddy Riley were basically just highlighting how great Babyface is. It's It's been a, a wonderful journey on the internet. But yes, so Babyface has an, a fantastic discography. I encourage people to look into it. I mean, yes. Who, who can touch Babyface? Uh, apparently not Teddy Riley. <laughs> no, bro, he has so many hits. Like, I, I thought I was a fan of 90s R&B. I'm not. I'm a fan of Babyface. All those 90s R&B songs, he wrote them. It's crazy. That's how I felt a few weeks ago when I listened to that 20 Feet from Fame. I was like, oh, apparently I'm just a fan of these background singers more than anything. <laughs> sure, yeah, totally. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, for me, kind of continue with this, I've been watching a lot of trash TV. Um, and I say that unapologetically. And I kind of want, if you also are looking for something that's a little bit trashy, you just like want to turn your mind off for a little bit, get away from the world, there is this show on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle. And it is mindless. It is dumb. The setup is... I can't wait to start watching it. Yeah, the setup is these people are brought to this island. They're all really attractive and they're supposed to, you know, of course, match with people and quote unquote find love. But the hook is that you are not allowed to engage in any physical contact uh, that could be sexual. So no kissing, no sex of any kind, no masturbation. So you just spend the next 
however many weeks getting to know these people and really trying to connect on a deeper level. And do they police masturbation? Oh, there is cameras everywhere, including in the showers, including like under the covers. Like there's just cameras absolutely everywhere. And then uh, a couple of behind the scenes things. They said that they pretty much require everyone to be mic'd up 24-7, and if you took it off, that was kind of an indicator, and they just listened to the sounds to, like, let them know what was going on with any one person at any given time. So, yeah, it's it's completely oh, stupid, but Because it so maybe a man, like, a man masturbating is a pretty obvious thing in the bed, but for a woman to masturbate, it's not so obvious, and I just... <laughs> That is very fascinating. I'm just telling you, it was a really fun, dumb show to watch. Um, I encourage every. It was like eight episodes. They're not even an hour each episode, but it was really, really fun. Um, really mindless. A lot of eye candy, and um, if you are into the reality shtick, I think you'll have fun. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, that's it. Is it not? That is the whole shebang. Yeah. So again, thank you guys for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on all the platforms. Uh, you can leave us a rating or contact us at Brum Meets World or email us at brummeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X T R A C E E J T C. You can find me on Instagram at a braver me at dot braver dot me. And if you guys have thoughts on this episode, if you guys. Um, have a home, either Sean or Corey's, that you would prefer to spend Thanksgiving in. If you have a favorite Thanksgiving dish that isn't macaroni and cheese, we want to hear about it all. Hit up our our DMs, hit up our email. We want to know what's going on with you guys in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So remember to dream. To try. And do good. Later, bros. Later, bros.